Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the feature staff at the Columbus Dispatch, this is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch, coming to you every Thursday. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Assistant Features Editor at the Dispatch, and today I'm joined in studio by my colleague, Features Reporter Eric Legata. February is Black History Month. So let's dedicate this podcast to the achievements of African Americans and the many ways that Central Ohioans will have to learn about them and honor them. One easy way is to visit your local branch of the Columbus Metropolitan Library. Something is planned nearly every day at different branches that taps into the music, history, and culture of African Americans. Learn about the Tuskegee Airmen on Monday at the Whetstone Branch. Listen to a poetry reading for children on Tuesday at the Linden Branch. Discover the origins of hip-hop February 21st at the Reynoldsburg Branch. And experience a concert featuring the music of African-American composers February 24th at the main branch downtown. The King Arts Complex has programming as well, including its Community Arts Day, honoring the late local African-American artist Amina Robinson, February 16th. There will be arts and crafts for youngsters, while artists set up shop to work, perform, and display their creations for guests all day. Our guest today is Emmy Beach, representing the Ohio History Connection and Ohio History Center, where guests can learn about African Americans, some with ties to Ohio, who made significant contributions to history. So thanks for joining us again today, Emmy. Thanks for having me. So the Ohio History Center always features actors portraying historical figures. Can you talk about your Echoes in Time theater and who it's featuring in February at 1 and 3 p.m. this Saturday and February 16th? Absolutely. We get really excited for our Echoes in Time programming because we don't get to do a lot of theater in the History Museum. So this is really living history actors that bring a character from history to life. In this particular performance that we're showcasing the month of February, we go into the life of Mary Bowser, who was a spy during the Civil War. What's really cool is that the actors that portray these characters really dive deep into the history. So you know you're getting the authentic story and you can kind of talk to them as though you would talk to the actual person from history. So it kind of breaks down that barrier that you might face if you were reading it in a textbook or something. My understanding is that Mary Bowser sort of embedded herself into the household as a servant of Jefferson Davis. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I had no idea that this even happened. It sounds very cool. It's a super cool story. So Mary Bowser, we don't know a lot about her early life because she was born a slave in Richmond, Virginia, and she was the slave of a man named John Van Lu, who was a merchant. Upon his death, his daughter, who was an abolitionist, her name was Elizabeth Van Lu, freed all of his slaves, including Mary. And she actually went on to go to a Quaker school or Quaker college, and that was paid for by Elizabeth Van Lu. And as I mentioned, Elizabeth was an abolitionist, and she also ran a union spy ring during the Civil War. Mary Bowser was very intelligent, and she's like, you know what, I think we can use you in this 
rang and Elizabeth Van Lu was kind of part of the aristocracy in the South. So she had connections to the Jefferson Davis household. So she was able to place her in that home as a servant. Some of the success that she saw as a spy was because, you know, Jefferson Davis and his cohorts in the White House in Richmond, Virginia, they didn't think that she was smart enough to understand what they were talking about. They thought she was illiterate, which of course she was not because she was schooled. And so she was able to read confidential documents that were just laying out on tables, overhear conversations. And she also is said to have had a photographic memory. So she would deliver those secrets, that information back to her union contacts. And it was said that she was very successful. She's credited with a union victory. We're not really sure what victory in particular, but what I think is really cool that in 19 1995, she was inducted into the Military Intelligence Corps Hall of Fame. So go Mary Bowser. You mentioned that the Echoes in Time Theater, it sounds like people can interact with the actors as if they were the real person. Is this something like, even though it's a theatrical production, from what I'm, I'm understanding, could the audience still ask questions, interact with them even during the show itself? It's not so much during the show, but it's certainly something that after the performance is over, people can go up and talk to the actor and she may be still in character. She can also break character and and give a little bit of background into some of the research that she did and some of the things that she stumbled upon when she was looking into the life of Mary Bowser. And do we know anything about Mary after the war? You know, I don't know that. But from what I have gathered, she was very excited about her story and she would travel around and tell about some of her exploits while serving as a spy in Jefferson Davis's Confederate White House. But personally, I don't know a lot about life after those great adventures, but it's certainly something that we love to look back on. And those are one of the untold stories that kind of come out of the Civil War. You don't really hear a lot about people like her. How come we haven't seen a movie about that? That sounds perfect. I would totally support a movie about Mary Bowser. I think there are so many opportunities for great movies from historical figures that are kind of surprising that, you know, people don't think about being very interesting. The center also has a special focus on African-American adventures from Ohio, and that's actually happening this month at noon on Sunday and February 17th. What's the coolest invention that you think is featured among all the ones that come up? Well, one of the coolest inventions, I think, is a man named Frederick M. Jones, Frederick McKinley Jones. He was born in 1893 in Cincinnati, Ohio. He was this prolific inventor and an entrepreneur. He invented equipment to make refrigerated trucks. So this so was, literally cool. It was super duper cool, Ryan. So the great thing about this invention, you know, when we think about refrigerated trucks, we think largely about like food storage and, and shipping things across the country. But at the time when it was invented, it was being used on the World War II front. It was used to transport medical supplies and food for soldiers and also preserve blood. So when people were trying to, you know, give life-saving care, Frederick M. Jones's invention was largely at the heart of their success. And you've also got someone portrayed who was the first African-American to have a patent. Can you tell us about her? Yeah, Sarah Good is the first African-American woman to receive a U.S. patent, and she received it in 1885. She's another person we don't know a lot about her early life, but it said she was born in Toledo, and she invented something called the cabinet bed. She and her husband owned a furniture store in Chicago, and a lot of their customers were working class. They had really small living quarters, and they complained about not having enough room for all the furniture they needed. And so with that idea in mind, Sarah Good invented the cabinet bed. So it literally is what it sounds like. It was a bed that folded into a cabinet. So you could have your desk by day and you could unfurl 
your bed at night. It was really a precursor to the Murphy bed, which people know a little bit better. Do you know if there were any prohibitions at some point about African-Americans getting patents? I don't know that. But as I've been doing my research into these really important figures, you know, you do a basic search online and you can see all of the patents and you have to scroll for a while. You know, like someone like Granville T. Woods, who was very influential in creating a communication system that railroads could use to talk to each other as, as moving trains were going by. You just scroll past, you see so many different inventions that you don't really hear about that often. I, you know, before really diving into this history, uh, a lot of these figures I hadn't heard that much about. So it's very cool to get to see, you know, kind of the unheard stories of a lot of important figures from American history. You know, I guess you kind of touched on it, but why is it important, especially during Black History Month, for the Ohio History Connection to keep these stories alive, I guess? Well, Black History Month is a time when people are really tuned in to hearing these stories, which is wonderful. So we and, and other history museums across the country develop programming around important African-Americans from our history. But, you know, we think about Black History Month, and that's when we largely see a lot of these programs, but it's our focus really as, you know, a history organization to make these stories things that you hear beyond just the bounds of Black History Month, beyond just February. Black history is American history, and it's really important for us to tell stories that people can see themselves in and modern Americans can see themselves in. So when we talk about these stories, we don't just talk about them in February. We really talk about them all year long, and that goes for Women's History Month as well. That's in March, but we want to talk about women's history all year long. It's really important. And, I mean, women are, what, like 51% of the population? Why aren't we talking about them outside of March? So it's something that we're really focused on to be a more inclusive history organization. And I think that history organizations across the country are trying to do better at that. And what are some of the ways that you do that? I mean, if someone is to drop by the History Center at a different time of year, what are some of the ways that they may see themselves reflected there if they're African-American? Well, as we move forward and bring in new exhibits, specifically at the Ohio History Center, we are very much focused on having diverse voices represented and not just, you know, putting their history on the wall, but allowing them to tell their own stories. So we're really focused on capturing, you know, when possible oral histories from the people who actually lived those stories. And, you know, something that we have coming up, it's a, we have a big sports exhibit coming up in March. It's called Ohio Champion of Sports. So we really dive deep into all of the ways that Ohio has made a national impact on America's sports history. So of course, within that, exhibit lots of stories of women, lots of stories of African Americans and other minority athletes, coaches, owners of sports teams. And it's not just relegated to black history in sports or women's history in sports, but it's really intertwined in this Ohio sports story, this collective story that we all share. So it's very important that everyone is kind of put on an equal pedestal. You know, everyone's story matters and we don't want to put different histories in different boxes. You know, when someone visits our museum, we want them to feel like they can see themselves in the stories they're presented. I think that people can relate a little bit more to history in that way. And I think it makes it more compelling and feel more important. So that's really the heart of what we're doing. 
for some of those individuals that you focus on, especially at this time of year, how are they determined? How are they chosen? And are there any that maybe just for whatever reason didn't get into the mix this year, but are, you know, really interesting personalities on their own that you could tell us about? A lot of the research that we do for our programs and events come directly from our archives at the Ohio History Center. A lot of people think of us as just a history museum. You know, certainly that's our flagship museum in Columbus, and we have dozens all over the state. But we have an outstanding archives on the third floor of the Ohio History Center building. So a lot of the information that we get about the people we talk about and the events we talk about come directly from our archives. We have millions of documents, probably. So there's a lot to sift through. So there's always a story to bring out and bring into the light. So as you mentioned, it can be a little daunting to kind of focus in on specific people from our history because Ohio is really at the forefront of a lot of American history. There's this new book that came out recently, and of course, I don't have the author's name offhand, but it's called The United States of Ohio. And it explores how Ohio is really at the cusp of, you know, our American political history, entertainment, innovation, space travel, aviation, invention, like we just talked about. You know, Ohio is at the heart of a lot of these American history conversations. So there's so much to pull from when we think about the programming that we do. So we're very fortunate to live in Ohio and to be able to talk about this history and share it with people and and let people know why our place is cool and why the people that came from here are cool. So that's a little bit of what we're trying to do is to get people excited about history and don't just think of it as like a chronological study, a timeline in a book. But, you know, these are stories that we can relate to of like victory and triumph and adversity and character. And that's really what we're trying to drive out of the stories that we share. How can you relate as an individual living in 2018 to someone who, you know, grew up in the 1850s on the pioneers time or anyone from our history. How can you relate to someone from 1850? We try to do that. Now, Ohio is a home of Hall of Fames because we have so much talent and have been such a a big part of developing so many different things. And and in many of those, there's a requirement that you need to wait so long before you can be inducted. You know, there's an idea that so much time must pass before your accomplishments can truly be appreciated. I'm curious as to how long do you think needs to pass for some of these individuals to be appreciated by a historical center? You know, how long before LeBron James or Toni Morrison or John Legend is part of the conversation? when we're talking about some of our contributions by Black Americans and Black Ohioans? You know, that's a really great point because often when you think about history, you think about things maybe that happened 50 years ago, 75 years ago or longer. What we're really trying to do as an organization is recognize times that even in our modern era that are going to be historic. You mentioned LeBron James in that upcoming sports exhibit at the Ohio History Center. We'll actually have his rookie jersey from the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we'll be able to talk about his time living in Akron and playing. The jersey actually comes from the Smithsonian. We're a Smithsonian affiliate. So we can recognize, you know, in modern era when things are going to be impactful, when we're going to be talking about them in 50 or 100 years and try to interpret things that are happening right now. Another element that we'll have represented is we'll have the jersey and skates and helmets from Ohio Roller Derby, which is a league of, you know, it's a flat track derby team that formed, you know, not that long ago. So we know that is impactful and their stories matter now. You know, we are putting bets on the fact that they'll be talked about in generations from now. So those are some of the decisions we're making right now about the history that we interpret or history in quotes that we interpret. And it's our way to try to make history relevant for people. If they can identify with it right now, then, you know, they'll be more interested in in paying attention to when we 
talk about these things, why we talk about them. Wonderful. Now, is there anything else that if people come by for one of these actors or anything else that's going to be happening for Black History Month that they should be sure to check out? Anything else that's at the museum now that might be relevant to the topic that maybe we haven't focused on so far? Yeah, you know, one of my favorite exhibits at the Ohio History Center, we've had it for a little while, is called 1950s Building the American Dream. What's interesting about that exhibit is we have built a 1950s era prefab home under the roof of the Ohio History Center. It's called a Lustron home, and they were porcelain enameled steel, and they were really popular in central Ohio and across the country for a short time period right after World War II. So you can go into that home, you can experience what life would have been like in 1950s Ohio. So you can open the drawers and sit on the couch and try and close in the closets. It's a very immersive exhibit. Certainly when we talk about building the American dream in 1950s Ohio, not everybody had access to the quote-unquote American dream. So we do talk about civil rights struggles, you know, the fact that not everyone could live anywhere in Ohio. If you were an African-American person, your housing was restricted, your schools were segregated. So we do explore that history as well in the context of that history exhibit. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I think it's a point of pride that our original constitution here outlawed slavery, but it's not so much a point of pride that that didn't get rid of all of the discrimination that was to come later. And so that's reflected, you're saying, in the museum's exhibits there and elsewhere. Exactly. And, you know, post-World War II was kind of this golden age for America. The economy was booming. Things were good, but things weren't good for everybody. And so we have, we kind of look at that era with sometimes rose-colored glasses on. Not everybody had the same opportunities just when it comes down to housing and schooling, things like that. So we do explore those topics, you know, alongside kind of the larger American experience. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Emmy. I really appreciate you walking us through this, and we hope everyone's able to take advantage of everything that's going on this month over at the Historical Center. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's really great to be able to talk about this stuff. And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.